You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Beside the Badge. This episode is aptly entitled, Who, What, and Why? What in the world is this podcast? Well, Beside the Badge is the culmination of of my experiences at this point uh, in the neighborhood over 10 years beside the badge. Um, I am not a police officer. I do not carry a a commission. I am a police chaplain. And I have had the honor and the privilege of working with quite a few officers over the years, watching their careers grow, watching them come into law enforcement. Some of them have left law enforcement, watching some of them leave because of injuries. And uh, heartbreakingly so. We lost an amazing officer several years ago who, because of an injury to his leg, he'll never be able to run or move quickly in a in a situation again, uh, a life or death situation that law enforcement would entail. And I wish that we I wish that we could fix that. I wish we could give him a different leg because he's just an amazing guy, and he's an amazing police officer. He's not easily ruffled, and uh, that's that's an amazing place to be. Uh, but Beside the Badge is a podcast for law enforcement. If you are new to law enforcement, you've been in law enforcement a while, or you're about to retire, if you're thinking about going into law enforcement, Beside the Badge is for you. I'm here to encourage you, tell you stories, share uh, neat situations and opportunities that have come my way to help your department get training and equipment, to to help you find ways uh, of coping, uh, friendships, uh, going home, Uh, dealing with the stress that you deal with at work and not taking it home, which is one of the hardest things for all of us to do, much less people who deal with life and death situations and see terrible things every day. Uh, And this is also for the private citizen. If you are an American citizen, someone here in the U.S., I like the term citizen over civilian, and, and I'll talk about that in later episodes, why I feel that way. But this is... This is a podcast for you. If you're part of the silent majority, it's time to stop being silent. And I think we're going to see that very shortly in this country. I'm seeing a lot more people coming out, pro-law enforcement, going, look, I know there's problems. I know not every cop is is perfect. I mean, I've been around the person who wasn't. But you know what? We've got to keep the good ones because if we don't keep the good ones, we are in a world of hurt. And you're like, yeah, no doubt. And so that is that is the why for this podcast. I'll have guests on from time to time, and there'll be different opportunities. There'll be products that I will talk about that I have seen change officers' lives or things that I use. Um, I... Uh, I'll get into more about me in a minute, but I have a particular set of skills that a lot of people don't, and I've been able to bless some law enforcement departments with some of the things that I've been able to learn by the grace of God. So that's that's beside the badge in a nutshell. It's for police officers and private citizens, and uh, from time to time I'll have guests on that will be making a difference and trying to change the game for law enforcement and trying to make a difference in their communities. So who is this guy, this weird bald guy that's got this beard. If you're if you're listening to this and not watching this, just imagine a bald a bald white guy in his 40s, and he pretty much got me. I've got a beard, and uh, that's me. Uh, you can check me out on social media. But who is this? Who is this guy, Paul Buckner, and why should I listen to him? I don't pretend to have the market corner on any kind of knowledge, but but. 
Uh, I am a civilian police chaplain in the American Midwest. I specifically do the majority of my work in Missouri. I'm happily married. I'm here in a couple of days. I will be celebrating 17 years of marriage. This was recorded in August of 2020. Um, and uh, I've been doing IT for 23 years. I have fixed computers for Fortune 500s. I have met uh, millionaires uh, and billionaires in Fortune 500 companies. And I have worked all the way down to people's homes, and which is what I really prefer. And I have done everything from worked on uh, servers back in the day uh, in these big companies all the way down to I have worked uh, in single white trailers with retired grandmothers helping them install a dial-up modem also back in the day. And uh, I am doing more and more work in the video world and very passionate about a number of constitutional causes. Uh, very passionate about a number of church causes. And so that brings me to the fact that I'm a chaplain. And so a lot of people, when they hear chaplain, they think, oh, well, you're a, you're a preacher, you're a minister. Oh, you know, and I've had people go, oh, and they kind of freak out. They're like, I, I just cussed in front of a preacher. And uh, I can tell you for the, for the, the, uh, the record, I am not a preacher in that sense. Um, I am a firm, fervent believer in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. I'm a firm believer in God. I'm a firm believer in the Word of God. Um, if you don't like that or that offends you, I understand. I absolutely understand. But that's that's who I am. And I became an ordained chaplain because of some things that happened that I'll get into later in this podcast. But I am ordained as a chaplain. And I, I dearly, dearly love working with uh, the men and women uh, that God has put in my path uh, in law enforcement, some of which have retired now. And uh, I have friendships on both sides of the badge that have come about because of this ministry. And uh, so that's the gist of who I am. I have a book in me. One of these days I, I've got, I'm collecting notes for it. Uh, maybe here in a year, I will be able to finish up a book uh, called Beside the Badge. And I was talking to a friend of mine. I'll have him on the show at some point. His name is Simon. Uh, lives He's retired law enforcement, lives up in the Minneapolis area. And uh, we were talking by phone. And I was talking about the fact that I have a book in me and, and one of these days I'm going to write a book about my experiences beside the badge. And, and he's got a strong British accent and, and he's, he's like, stop right there. He's like, uh, he's like, that's the name of a book. And I kind of blame him for this podcast, actually, partially. Uh, I was helping him set up for his own podcast. And uh, uh, as I was helping him set up for that, I began to listen to a lot of podcasts. And some of you will know me from a podcast and, and live broadcasts that I do with a group called the Church Safety Guys. Um, uh, James McGarvey and Mike Scully, who are my buddies, shout out to you guys. And I've done church safety for better than a decade and we've had some pretty high speed training with that. A lot of people in law enforcement will hear security and they go, uh, mall cop, no, no. And uh, not even close. And then, uh, but in the course of doing these different live broadcasts, uh, we were offered a podcast deal. And as that was kind of coalescing, I began to listen to podcasts very strongly and trying to build a better Paul. And I realized I think there's room in the marketplace for a podcast uh, by a police chaplain uh, dedicated to law enforcement and talking to private citizens that want to make a difference. And I was able to do that uh, in my church and uh, and I intend to continue to do that. I want my church to be a place that is law enforcement friendly, not only law enforcement friendly, because they definitely are. I want it to be viewed as, as, a, as a cop church, as a firefighter church, as a veteran church. I want people to go, oh, you need to come to my church. You know, you're, you're a veteran, you're a police officer, you're a firefighter, you're EMS, you're a dispatcher. I want you to come to my church. So 
we've pretty much covered who I am. And let's talk some more about why. And I've touched on this, but I got into I got into this, stumbled headlong into it. <clears throat> but why came about uh, somebody had called me a chaplain and I was like, well, no. And then I went, yeah, because I had officers and I'll talk more about how I got started in a minute, but I had officers turning to me saying, um, you know, I can talk to you when I can't talk to anybody else or, or this bad thing happened. I want to talk to Paul. Um, you know, let's pray about this thing. Or I would get calls and texts at all hours saying, Hey, we're, we're about to go in and boot a door because of a, there's a really bad guy and he's got warrants and, and he's dangerous and he's known to try to kill cops. And I got a baby. I got a baby on the way. I'm about to get married. I'm married. I, I want to go home. Um, I can't tell you where, I can't tell you what exactly, but would you please pray? And they had seen those prayers answered. They knew that I loved them. And uh, scripture actually talks about without love, you're only a resounding gong. And uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you don't actually love people, you're just you're just wind. You're just noise. And that that was something that people knew that I love them. And there's an old saying that uh, um, basically nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so when Ferguson happened, there were so many officers that were like, I'm out, man. I'm, I'm going to go drive a truck. I'm going to go work in an office somewhere. I can make more money. Nobody's going to try to kill me. Um, I don't want to be in law enforcement. And that whole situation was politicized horribly. Um, and it was done, it was done to cause a divide in this country. And it was heartbreaking to watch that happen. And I saw good, good officers leave. I saw lives destroyed. And I was like, no, Mm -mm. And I stepped up and I really took a more formal role. Well, I think right now with the way that a handful of people are adamant, adamant to try to destroy our culture, to, to, to try to destroy this great nation, which we have so many things going for us. And the average American, when we sit down and talk to each other, citizen to citizen, I like, again, I really don't like the term civilian. I'm a citizen. And uh, I'll talk about that more in other episodes. But when I sit down citizen to citizen and talk with you, the average American is a really, really amazing person. And we need to remember that and we need to get back to that. And we need to realize that the media is not helping anything. And it's time to keep those good cops behind badges. This is important. And uh, so that's that's why. And then how I got started, um, we had passed some legislation here in the state of Missouri that made it. Uh, much it was much more friendly to the Second Amendment, and one of the things you'll come to find about me is I am a constitutionalist, and I'm discovering I'm a closet libertarian. Um, I am an advocate for for good quality law enforcement, and I try to champion those guys and gals whenever I encounter them, and I try to encourage I encourage others to understand their rights and to understand our rights as Americans. And uh, so I got I got started because I was I was eating at a restaurant that belonged to a friend of mine, and he happened to be basically the chief of police for that town. It's a different title, but that's what it is. And he was the chief of police for that town. And I'm eating at his restaurant, and we got to talking about how both of us were very pro Second Amendment. We've had things happen in our lives. I'll talk about those in other episodes, where the fact that private citizens owned firearms saved the lives of those private citizens. And so you will find that I'm very pro gun, but. We were talking about this, eating his delectable food in his delicious little restaurant that he had. And uh, I, all these things were happening. And I said, you know, I really want to hold like a pro Second Amendment rally, but I really want to do one that's basically pro cop as well. And I wasn't anti cop, but I was not where I am today, not by a long shot. And so I'm like, you know, I really want to do this. And he's like, well, hold it in my restaurant. 
And we ended up having, I would say about 150 people came that came through. And ironically, at that point, it was hard to get ammunition, kind of like it is at the moment here at the end of, you know, August, 2020, it was hard to get ammunition. People were buying it up left and right. And, um, and so I actually had an ammunition manufacturer come in and they set up a booth and they actually sold a ton of ammunition at this event. And just there were people coming out. We had old retired farmers and different people coming out and it was just a slice of Americana. And, you know, little kids were walking around and had little little toy gun belts on and, they, you know, with their, with their little revolvers on. The kind of stuff that, that a lot of us, if you're in your late 30s on up, you probably played with these toys when you were a kid. And uh, we had people people talking to officers and asking questions and visiting and, and getting everybody was getting out of their their comfort zone and, and learning to go, hey, these are people, too. This is a uniform, but there's a person behind the uniform. And it, it was it was this thing that was a first fruit of many things that have happened since. And so I'm like, wow, this is you know, this is amazing. And when that happened, I went for a ride along with the chief. And he's like, Hank, you know, he's like, hey, uh, I got to go do some stuff. Do you want to come with me? And we can talk about this event that you want to do. So we go out and we go riding around in his car. And I happen to look over and his radio is duct taped together. Literally, there's a console radio in this car. It was an old Crown Vic. And Crown Vics were on the way out. And this this tired old Crown Vic that had seen its day and then some, um, literally it didn't run right and this is just a small american town and many many police departments many officers listening to what i'm talking about are going to go uh-huh and i just realized this car was not what it should be and the um and the the radio was not what it should be i had been in his police department and the building wasn't what it should be and i just had this i just had this idea of these well-funded cops that made all this money off of tickets and their departments were just rolling in cash you know they were they were burning 50 dollars bills somehow i just had this idea i don't know where i got that from but i just had this idea of this well-funded you know csi style police department no not even close and so i had gotten to know him pretty well and i said hey i said uh can i ask you a question he's like sure i'm like you know i don't mean to offend but why is it why is it that your radio is duct taped together and he said well paul he said, I don't want to air my dirty laundry as a department, but our city's broke. We don't have money. We don't have resources. And, and there's some reasons for that, mistakes the city has made, different things like that. But uh, they're trying and they're, they're trying to get better. And that's me talking. And, but he says, you know, I, I want to make sure that my, my guys and gals have the best equipment. And so I make sure that their vehicles have the best equipment. And I put the broken equipment in my vehicle and if, if I can make it work. And I was like, whoa and i i started talking to him i'm like well i mean what do you what is the city issue i mean like if the if the department somebody goes to work for the department what does the city actually help you guys issue and he's like pretty much nothing and anybody that's been around small town america in police departments will go uh-huh so there are there are departments that are so broke that if you went to work for them today you're fresh out of the academy you've got your commission in missouri they call it your post certification and you're getting ready to become a commissioned police officer if you're in that position and, and you go to a small town, in many cases, you have to buy your own uniform. No fooling. 
And so a lot of officers will have two uniforms. You will have to buy uh, your duty belt, which is not cheap, and all the accoutrement, all the things that go on it. You will have to um, you will have to buy your gun or already own it, and it needs to be something of quality. And a lot of these departments, they don't have uh, matching firearms, meaning if there's a shootout and you're pinned down like you see in Hollywood movies and you're like, mag, and the guy tosses you a magazine, that doesn't happen. That does not happen in those departments. They'll have different calibers and they'll have different, completely different platforms. The firearm will be different, meaning the magazines are not interchangeable. Um, and there's a lot of consistency problems that come with that. Um, you would have to provide your own handcuffs, believe it or not. And they did issue you soft body armor, uh, but it was getting kind of long in the tooth now. And a lot of these small departments, if they have somebody that's a large guy or a large gal, they might trade them around between departments or they have somebody that's very small. And, you know, you get officers in all sizes. I mean, I've met officers that are two and a half of me and I've met officers that are half of me. And uh, people come in an amazing, an amazing variety of, of colors and shapes and sizes. And uh, so it's really interesting, but they, that's about all you would get. And in a lot of these departments, it's, you know, 26,000 a year, 30,000 a year, and you're risking your life. A lot of times you're getting terrible injuries. And some of these cities, if you get injured, they want to hang you out to dry. And I have no... I have no love or respect for that. Um, they will try to hang you out to dry immediately if you get a, I don't even mean a severe, severe injury, but they're like, well, you're out. They will find a reason to get rid of you in a hurry. And so that was their position. I got to talking to him. I said, well, what do you, what do you have for, for long guns? Obviously you have no real consistency with your, with your handguns, your sidearms. And they had an old, I think it was a Mossberg shotgun. It was a pump shotgun with an iffy safety that had been there for probably before the chief or I had been born and they had an old carbine that was a, a silly little caliber that was just about useless. And I was like, Oh my. And this was a town that had grown just like suddenly burped out 1500 new people. But it was a lot of the, a lot of the people that lived there were at the poverty level and there was some government housing and things. A lot of these people are not contributing on the tax side, and that's fine. If you need government assistance, I get it, but they're not they're not contributing anything to help the city move forward uh, financially. And I realized these guys are barely, I mean, you know, like right at the waterline, you know, they're, they're, they're barely a functioning department. And, uh, you know, I picture them almost drowning, just their nose bobbing above the waterline to try to survive. And I'm like, this is not cool. This is not cool at all. I don't like this at all. And I know people and I started praying about it and I'm like, this is not acceptable. So this is what God did with it, which was amazing. This is what God did with it. That was amazing. So he takes, he takes that, um, that moment and I began to pray about it, began to talk to people, and I'm going to forget things that God brought to the table. Like, for instance, they had a piece of tower equipment um, that had been hit by lightning, and I contacted a state rep, and, and within three days, there was somebody out there that replaced it, and it didn't cost the city anything. And so imagine that you're trying to talk on your radio, and as you're trying to talk on your radio, there, there's a repeater above your city that's supposed to be communicating with dispatch across the county. They have a centralized dispatch in this area. Some of you guys from bigger cities will have a dispatch per department. Well, this is centralized dispatch for the entire county because we be poor folk in this country, in this part of the country. 
but anyway, so you might get a you might get a radio signal out if you're lucky. And this isn't flatland where signals can go for miles. This is very hilly, and I mean you may be you may drop down in, in a few feet driving forward. You may drop down quite a few feet driving down a hill. And, you know, bad things happen in valleys too. Bad things happen in, in ravines in very steep environments. And you'll be in a foot chase or driving and drop down out of radio signal. They needed their repeater working above their town because it could broadcast down into a lot of these holes that could not be, um, that couldn't be uh, broadcast into from across the county. So those of you that, that wear radio all the time are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you get inside of a building and you don't have signal. So uh, that was one of the first fruits of that. And I started talking to people. We got them new handcuffs. We got them new, um, we got them bandages. We got them new soft armor. Uh, in some cases, we got them some hard armor. Um, we got them replacement cars. There were departments that were getting rid of their uh, Crown Vicks in favor of uh, chargers. That was the big thing that was coming out. Now, a lot of departments are moving uh, towards SUVs. You know, in August of 2020, you're seeing a huge movement into SUVs. There's a lot more room in them. I've been in all kinds of cop cars. I've been in, I've been in um, uh, Impalas. I've been in uh, Good Good Night. I've been in Dodge trucks. I've been in Tahoes. I've been in Explorers. I've been in. If I didn't say Crown Vicks, I've been in Crown Vicks. I've been in Chargers. Um, I've been in all kinds of police vehicles, and um, there's not a lot of room in them after they pack a lot of that equipment in them that they have to have. Uh, some of the roomiest ones are like the big Dodge trucks or um, some of the new Tahoes. Oh my, there's room to move in those things. And uh, you pack an officer wearing body armor and all this gear, his or her gear in there, and you can have some, you can have some fun trying to move around in that thing. And so that's one of those things that, uh, um, I was able to kind of make a difference there. I got a hold of some different departments and, and got them equipment. And there are government grants for things, but it can be really frustrating because some of those come with strings attached. And so that's really where that, that's really where that came from was me going, you know, I don't want, I don't want these departments to be, to be, um, hobbled by some kind of string attached, uh, program. And so we, we dodged a lot of those. We went out into the private community, talk to the private citizens there. And I'm going to miss details, but again, that piece of radio equipment, we got them replacement radios that they could carry. Um, we got them replacement cars, uh, bandages. Um, we got them practice ammo because that was another thing. If you worked for that department, you had to bring your own duty ammo and you had to bring your own practice ammo. And that's not, that's not right. You shouldn't have to do that. Uh, so we got them, uh, 2000 rounds of practice ammo. We got them, uh, three patrol shotguns, which one of them saved an officer two weeks later from being severely mauled uh, by an out-of-control dog. It was biting people all over the neighborhood. And I don't mean like nip. I mean like tearing people up. And uh, it actually saved the officer. There was a female officer and, uh, and her partner actually went out to try to see if this was, was, is this a dog catcher thing or is this a have to put a rabbit animal down thing? And uh, the dog charged them and almost, almost got her and almost got him. And the sidearm didn't drop the dog, but the 12 gauge did. So uh, as, as horrible as it is to have to, to shoot uh, somebody's pet, which I, I have no idea what the backstory of this dog was, but the, the people in the neighborhood were panicked. This dog was out of control. This, this dog wasn't gonna come, wasn't gonna be taken alive. 
that 12 gauge saved the officers from being severely mauled. And uh, I'm all for protecting animals, but I'm a people first person and uh, unapologetically so. And so we got them three regular shotguns. We got them another shotgun rigged up for beanbag. It takes the same, if you're familiar with this, forgive me, but for those who, who aren't, uh, it takes the same size shells and it'll fire all the same ammunition, but we had it Cerakoted in a bright orange and it was designated for carrying with beanbag. And there's a high amount of, of partying traffic that comes through this, this town, this area that I'm in. And, and, uh, a lot of canoe camps, a lot of people coming in to spend the weekend and they come off the rivers and, and hiking and going and doing different things. And a lot of them are slosh drunk. You get a lot of fights and knife fights and, and, uh, and fist fights in these different uh, uh, canoe camps and these different uh, high college traffic areas. And you get some gang problems that come in with that. And so the, the ability to deploy a beanbag can actually be pretty handy. And uh, that was one of the things we were able to get them. We got them three rifles uh, with with magazines and adequate ammo and uh, even optics. And um, I had a couple people that took exception to the fact that I was arming the police department. And I said, so let me ask you a question. Somebody's chasing you with a knife and the closest the officer can get, and I named a business that has an enormous parking lot, is the officer's able to get up to a chain link fence and you're a hundred yards past that. Um, do you want that officer to only have a sidearm or only have a 12 gauge shotgun? And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, a rifle with a scope or a good optic can hit that bad guy, uh, and drop that bad guy with one shot at a distance. And, you know, if that person is intent on killing you, that's the type of thing you want. You want a, a good solid rifle that can get that out to that distance. And he's like, well, true, fair enough. And, uh, but we were able to get them, uh, three rifles. They had one, uh, uh basically a very small department. You got to figure some of these departments will have like three, four full-time people, and then they will have, um, reserves that come in and fill in around that. I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is poor America that I'm talking about. And so God just moved and it was an, it was an incredible opportunity. Like I said, there was bandages and equipment and we got, we got all kinds of things to help them. Uh, we had an officer, that was probably one of the things that frustrated me most early on. We had an officer that, he was a big guy, and he was just death on drugs. He was really good about finding uh, finding drug dealers and getting them off the streets. And these are the people, I don't mean the guy that deals a little weed, the people like, oh, well, he's really harmless. No, I mean like cocaine and heroin and meth, and he was just death on drugs. And... Um, he was actually clearing a construction site and there was a door left open by one of the construction workers and he was shutting the door of this big conics container and as he was shutting it and latching the door um the uh something on the door snagged his uniform and tore his shirt and so he he talked to the city and they were like sorry you're responsible for your own uniforms and i'm not putting them down the city's broke but he had that situation happen to him. And then he went to the construction company and they went, why is it our problem? And I'm thinking, I don't know, the $40,000 worth of tools and equipment in the Connex trailer that he saved from being stolen. Because trust me, in my area, we got people that will steal. I'm like, wow. So we actually got him two or three shirts, uh, uniform shirts, and reached out into the community. It was just things like that. Well, then... Then people began to say from other departments, they're like, hey, um, <clears throat> hey, Paul, uh, would you like to come ride with our department? And uh, I was keeping their computer equipment running and I was really doing everything in my power to help that department. And the chief there actually talked to me one day before I really started reaching out to other departments. 
And, and as other departments started to reach out to me, and he's like, you know, Paul, you've really helped us get a long way. You might should share the love. You might should reach out to some of these other departments. I'm starting to get questions from other departments like, hey, do you think Paul would be willing to come over here? I'm hearing what he's doing for you. Um, this guy's this guy's doing some good stuff. You, you think maybe he'd want to come do that for us. So um, I had started, I started reaching out and going with them and helping them keep their computer equipment going. I've driven from my house at 945 at night to go to a police department and fix their computer. Um, now I would be more likely to use like remote support software, but I've gone to their house or their, their house, gone to their, their office. I think they feel like it's their house sometimes, but I've gone to their office to help them uh, get going and so that a bad guy, a very bad guy stays in jail because uh, if you don't get the, char the charges filed properly, you have 24 hours to get them to get them incarcerated and or keep them incarcerated. And so I've done that to keep departments running. And that resonates with officers. They're like, hey, you care about us. You, you, you get us. You care about us. Well, then I would be working at one of these departments. And you, you got to understand a lot of these small towns, this isn't you know New York or Chicago or L.A., these are small departments where there aren't hundreds or thousands of officers that could potentially respond in time to help you. We all know anybody that's been around the badge very long knows that that backup may or may not happen. But in my area, backup is almost non-existent. I, I have officers that have been without backup for 15 minutes, for, for 30 minutes, for an hour, never got backup. And I would be sitting in these different police departments. And you have to understand, I'm a bit of a unicorn. Um, I have some pretty high-speed training. Um, I've got a background in executive protection, and we're not talking mall cop. Uh, I've got a background in, in some pretty high-speed church safety, and I've worked alongside law enforcement for a long time now. So I'm not, I'm not a guy who just has a concealed carry permit. I can handle my weapon, and I, I have actually supplemented for SWAT in, in training exercises where a SWAT officer had to leave. Now, I am not L.A. SWAT but I'm not a slouch either. And so um, during during training, I've actually been pulled in to train at, to help officers to sharpen their skill sets. I've been OP4, which stands for opposition force. I've been the bad guy in training and uh, to give them something to, to cut their teeth on. And I think I was shot 83 times in, in two days at one particular training. I've still got some scars from being shot point blank with airsoft. And so I'm not a slouch. And there would be situations where I would be at a police department fixing one of their computers or dropping off equipment. And over the radio comes a call to a very dangerous situation. And these officers are well and truly by themselves. There's a reason that we call it the thin blue line. There may not be enough of that blue line for that officer at that moment or for that private citizen. And so at that moment, at that time, I, uh, they, they kind of looked at me and I'm like, do you mind if I go with you? And in some cases I've assisted in arrests. Um, if an officer in my state says, please help me, it's an infraction. It may have moved up to a misdemeanor, but it was an infraction to not help them, which is, it's like, you might get a fine or something, but it probably wouldn't even ever go to court. But in my, in my area, uh, that is, it, we, we at least largely in this state are pro cop and realize that officers sometimes get into situations where they're being attacked by multiple assailants or somebody somebody's overwhelming a smaller officer or whatever. And so I began to ride with them at times in some pretty dangerous situations. And I have, I'll share some of the stories later, but I've been in some pretty hairy situations. And I began to pray for safety on the way. 
And it was one of those things that there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's there there are atheists who are cops, but they're few and far between. And I have met many people who are not practicing Christians, but they're a firm believer in a higher power. They've seen too many things. So I would pray for safety. And this is, you know, if you want to listen to the podcast and you're like, well, I'm not a person of faith, I'm not going to shove my faith in your face, but I'm also not going to hide it. I'm a man of faith. And if you are a man or woman who who does not believe in God or you believe differently than me, then that's fine. But I'm also still going to believe what I believe. That's part of the American way. That's part of freedom of speech. That's part of what our nation literally was founded on is, is that freedom of religion, freedom of movement. Uh, those kinds of things. And uh, so I would be along for one of these ride-alongs and something bad would happen. And I remember a particular time that a a young man was getting arrested, domestic violence. He had uh, body slammed a loved one into a wall by her throat and he was getting ready to go to jail. And he heard over the radio that he had a warrant for something else. And I saw him glance down at the officer's, um, at the officer's holster, looking at his gun, look up at the officer and then glance at me. I was about 25 feet away. The officer had asked me to stand over by the corner and watch and make sure there was a blind spot that the officer couldn't see around and make sure, hey, uh, what's going on over there? You know, make sure nobody's coming to help this kid in a bad way. They're going to try to come and, and, you know, hurt the cop or something. And so as I'm standing there and that kid looked at me and I could tell he was thinking, he was thinking about doing something stupid and he wouldn't have wanted to gone hands on with this police officer because that police officer would have put him down, handcuffed him and hauled him off. But I guess I, I guess I kind of took a step forward and uh, the officer later told me I kind of had like a werewolf experience. I kind of went and uh, when I did that, uh, apparently that was the expression on my face was like, no, you're not hurting my friend. And uh, so I've had many experiences. Like I said, I'll share some of those later. Uh, But that was one of those things that, um, yeah, that was pretty intense. And um, I I recently was at a scene of of another domestic situation that was actually quite similar uh, domestic violence situation in in a different town. Had a young officer I was riding with and a man walked up to me. I'm standing over by the vehicle. They've arrested the suspect. Um, there's three or four cops standing out there talking and I'm standing there slowly scanning next to this SUV police cruiser. This man walks up and he goes, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he said, what exactly are you? And I kind of laughed and I said, I'm a unicorn. And he's like, you're a unicorn. And I said, yeah, I'm a unicorn. And he goes, okay, so help me out here. He goes, they're all cops. And he said, but, and he said, you're wearing a bulletproof vest. And up until recently, I've been wearing a coyote coyote tan bulletproof vest. And I've actually just gotten a black one. And, uh, and mine will now say chaplain for years. I've worn a coyote tan vest and ridden with all these different departments that know me. And a lot of their backup knows me. And if I'm standing there, even, even sitting on top of somebody helping hold a a guy that's out of control, uh, down, uh, while they handcuff him or whatever, um, in those situations, I'm known. And I've had some situations recently where there's people coming from other areas who may not know me. So I'm actually going to have a marked, a marked uh, chaplain badge. Uh, chaplain, it's not a badge rather, but a, a patch on the front and on the back. And I'll, I'm actually uh, working on getting one that's actually a reflective patch for the back. And uh, so this guy's like, so he said, you're wearing this cowdy tan vest. And he said, and I was wearing a dress shirt. He said, you're, you're dressed nicely. He said, I'm looking at your boots. I'm looking at you. And I started to realize this guy's been some places and done some things. He's got some situational awareness and some observational skills. So I'm listening to him and I'm kind of smiling. And he said, you're, you're scanning the perimeter 
And he said, I realized you're watching over them. You're literally protecting the police officers. And he goes, what are you? And I laughed and I said, well, I don't carry a commission. I'm not a police officer. I said, um, I am their chaplain. And I explained to him what that was. And he's like, wow, that's really cool. You want to shake my hand? And I said, so I am a chaplain. I said, but I'm a bit of a unicorn. I've had some pretty high speed training. And I said, and I, several times um, over the years, I have been with a police officer who um, someone tried to blindside them. Someone tried to sneak up on them. Somebody had a weapon that I was able to observe and I was able to turn to that officer, call them by name and say, Hey, he's got a, he's got a screwdriver in his back pocket or, um, Hey, and, and point, uh, here's this guy's trying to sneak off. Here's this guy trying to run away. Here's this, um, here's this guy trying to sneak up on you. I actually was with a young officer one night and somebody came up at another domestic violence call. Um, that's some of the worst things that police officers deal with. And, um, and this guy was trying to charge the officer from behind, uh, with the intent of tackling him. And I was able to get the officer's attention and he pulled his taser and it's like, you get over there. And it's, it's things like that. Nobody has eyes literally in the back of their head and you need somebody to watch over you. So I kind of shared that a little bit with him. He's like, that's really cool. And then I said, so who are you? I said, you obviously have, and I meant it in a good way. You obviously have you know, a particular set of skills. And he's like, well, I've done some pretty high end security in the past. And don't think mall cop, this guy has done some pretty high speed security, has some pretty, pretty exemplary training. And he was just observing the fact that someone was watching over the cops. And I think that resonated with me. It shared, I shared the story with you because it resonated with me very powerfully. That is my ministry spiritually. Uh, I watch over these officers. I pray, I pray with them. There, there literally is almost never a day that goes by that I do not talk to at least one, if not three police officers. Many of them call me, they've got a prayer request or a question. Um, I do a lot of mentoring with young officers where they've just gotten married. I've gotten calls where guys are out on their porch and they're like, okay, so I'm a newlywed and I just found out that I don't fold the towels right. Who knew you could fold a towel wrong? And I'm like, well, that just comes from, I'll talk about that in other episodes. That just comes from a difference in how you were raised. You, you were in a, you were in a house that towels got folded this way. She came from a house that towels were folded that way. You know, you're from a roll over the front toilet paper house. She's from an over the back toilet paper house. This is going to be your life. Now you two will make a life together. And I'm like, this is not a hill worth dying on. This is something that you guys need to work out between you. But, you know, I wouldn't fight this too much. And so I get to do a lot of mentoring. I've been there when they bought their houses. And like I said, like moved and different things. I've been there for their weddings. It's really a very, very big honor. So uh, I'm going to land this plane. This is, this is a lot of the why and the what and the who of Beside the Badge. And talk to you a little bit. I've got some sponsors. I actually have uh, two sponsors and I'm working on a third uh, to help me with my expenses. There's expenses with getting these podcasts out there and uh, there's going to be expenses with bringing some of the guests on and different things where I will, there's equipment that might be needed in different things. So uh, the Lord's definitely opened a lot of doors. Um, John Riley with General Response. This guy's got an incredible situation, incredible uh it's not a school so much as he's an instructor and he'll come out and train and he trains in the law enforcement and private security worlds and he trains in the church safety world uh which i'm i'm a huge proponent of um like i like i said earlier i'm one of the church safety guys and we've, we've actually got our own podcast coming out for that but that is uh that is his company and he teaches very top shelf very high-end de-escalation and then um, i'm also sponsored by a company by the name of gotcha six coffee um, i met the founder 
uh, actually, and I'll talk about that more in another episode, when a, a police officer friend of mine was injured and was going through surgery, I stopped off at an expo just to kill some time waiting on my friend to get out of surgery. And I met Eric, the founder of Got Your Six Coffee, and their mission is service to those uh, who serve, bring better days, uh, helping helping those who don a uniform of service to take care of them. You know, those, these people put on this uniform and they take care of us. So his mission is to make sure that they get the equipment, that they get the training, that they get uh, the funding, that they get all the things they need. And his company gives away its net profit. So if you're a coffee drinker, this is called Zero, or not Zero Dark 30. This is Cup of Joe. It's a, it's black, rich, beautiful black coffee. It's stylized after a World War One Cup of Joe. Um, they have uh, some aptly named coffee named Blue Line and Red Line. So if you're uh, law enforcement or firefighter, check that out. But it's gotyoursixcoffee.com. I love their coffee. And uh, I actually approached him and told him I was doing a podcast. And he said, hey, I want to be one of your sponsors. These are good people. So check them out. I'm working on a third sponsor. You'll see my set behind me. I'll tell you very quickly. Uh, there are patches from departments that I've worked with on here uh, where I've officially or unofficially been their chaplain. You'll see some different patches here. I've got a board here that if you're listening to this podcast um, behind me, uh, I've got a, uh, a wall that's part of my setup for this. And there's a shelf and there's some geekiness. You'll have to check out some of my social media. I'll have pictures on there and you'll get to see some things on there. I like photography and I've ridden horses for years. And, and so there's some different things on there. Uh, there's a Kubaton that was actually given to me by one of my instructors that uh, is is near and dear to my heart. I have a lot of respect for that man. And so that hangs on here uh, on the wall behind me. And uh, But if you are listening to this, uh, you can get a hold of me through social media. Let me know where you're listening from because I would love to put a pin on my map back here about where you're listening from. And um, uh, I want to be I want to be praying for you guys. That's one of the things I'm going to do before I close out uh, is praying for the private citizens, praying for the police officers. And then if you are listening to this and you are in law enforcement, I would like to there's a wall off to my left. Big soundproofing set up here. But the soundproofing blanket uh, actually has room for patches on it. And I am honored to have uh, a lot of different departments I've worked with, but it's always been one-on-one. -on -one. So this podcast is going to let me work maybe maybe one to a thousand or maybe one to 10,000 or, or if the Lord just grows it beyond that, how amazing would it be to talk to officers all over the country and to private citizens all over the country and help to make some positive changes. So if you are listening to this uh, podcast and you would like to have your department's patch on my wall, uh, this will grow over time and I might have to rotate some patches uh, off of this wall over onto the next one where you maybe can't see it during the video version of these podcasts, but I, uh, I will definitely have it out there. I have a, a YouTube channel. Um, I have a Facebook page. Um, uh, you will find them. They were, they're under Beside the Badge podcast. I'm going to be setting up an Instagram and uh, I am actually working with a podcast provider to get out there wherever podcasts are found. So that's what I'm working on right now. So uh, again, uh, that's uh, that's my mission. That's what I'm up to, trying to help keep good officers behind badges. And uh, so I'm going to pray uh, for these officers that are out there uh, for their safety now. And then I am going to get off of here so you guys can go on with the rest of your day. By the way, this has been a longer, a longer podcast, kind of laying the framework and the foundation for where this is going and where I feel the Lord has this, uh, what my mission is, where he has this going. But um, I, I probably going to do about 25 minute podcasts most of the time. I will have guests on and those will be longer podcasts. 
And uh, so this one is going to be a little bit longer than normal. I plan on a weekly podcast, so you should be able to have access to these weekly. I know a lot of officers that listen to podcasts when they are out patrolling their town. It gives you something to do to help you not to fall asleep because late at night, especially, and there's maybe nothing going on for that time period or it's past two o'clock in the morning and you're trying not to nod off and you don't want to drink another bang. Uh, so that's, that's when a lot of guys are going to listen to this podcast. And uh, when you're out patrolling, 25 minutes is probably about a good timetable for a podcast. And again, I'm going to try to have these weekly. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to let you guys go. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to serve your people. I thank you for the law enforcement officers, the men and women that protect us every day in this nation. Lord God, I thank you for the private citizens who are listening to this podcast. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity, and I am humbled by the opportunity to do this podcast, Lord God, that you would choose me. I'm a nobody from nowhere, but I thank you for that. Lord God, I ask that you would protect these police officers every day as they go out, whether they are, whether they're in immigration, Lord God, or a U.S. Marshal, or or whether they are, whether it's some federal level or it's a state level, if they're if they're highway patrol or state police, all the way down to, uh, you know, if it's a, a police officer from a city or a sheriff's deputy, Lord God, I ask that you would keep them safe, that you would guide them and protect them, not only guide them in their day-to-day -day life, but guide them closer to you. And Lord God, when it matters, in those moments when the bad guys are trying to harm them, when evil men and women come against them, Lord God, I, that you would cause them to stumble, not the officer, Lord God, the bad guy. Your word talks about in Proverbs that an evil man digs a pit and, uh, and he falls into it. Lord God, I ask that, that anyone that would try to ambush our officers, that you would protect them from it. The bad guy would trip up. Lord God, that the, that if they lay a trap, as it says in Proverbs, that the, the, uh, an evil man lays a, the net in the full view of the birds, meaning the birds know that you've set a trap. Well, Lord God, I ask that you would help these officers to see these ambushes coming before they come. And Lord God, if need be, you would even bend the bullets around these people. Lord God, I believe in you fervently, and I have seen you move, and I have seen you do so supernaturally. So I said you guide, bless, and protect these officers. Help them to have the coping mechanisms that they need that are positive, to be able to go home to their families, and to enjoy their families. Lord God, divorce is one of the, the things that is ravaging our nation, and it is a very big thing in the law enforcement world. Lord God, I've seen it destroy lives. I've seen the damages done in my own lives, Lord. So I lift them up to you in the one name that makes it possible, in your son Jesus name. Amen. You guys be safe. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.